Do you want to see in the dark like a superhero? TNVC.com is your source for the finest night vision devices and accessories to make you the bump in the night. Howdy folks, I'm Jeff Gonzalez, former Navy SEAL, founder of Trident Concepts and host of the Bulletproof Workshop powered by AR15.com where we discuss knowledge, skills, and ability to help bulletproof your everyday performance in whatever your field or passion. Welcome to Podcast 042. My next guest is a fellow frogman who spent much of his career working in hostile environments across the globe. Spending much of those times solo or in small groups helped develop the experience that would propel him into a best-selling author. Authoring 100 Deadly Skills, among many others, he's his specialty evolved into crisis management and preparation. Spearheading the movement has been his passion to help people from all walks of life manage potentially life-threatening situations. Promoting a society of resilience and preparedness, he delivers his message in a no-nonsense manner, easily digestible for all skill levels. He's an asset advocator, tornado survivor, holistic security specialist, spy museum inductee, and professional troublemaker. Welcome to the show, Clint Emerson. Hey. Wow. <laughs> AI wrote that. There is no doubt in my mind. AI I fucking was up doing that. that shit. I did all that, man. I fucking did it all. But yeah, maybe a little bit. Of all right. Me. Well, thank you for having me. That was a great, that's a great uh, intro. I love that. I have to copy that and put it on my website. It's, I will. I will send makes that Makes me to sound you. really cool. It makes you yeah. sound really cool. <clears throat> well, it's good. Uh, it's good to be on this side of the podcast table because the last time we, I was on your side yeah. doing the podcast. We had fun so, too. Yeah, we did. Yeah. It was, I love how you did your podcast too. I know it was unique in that sense that the, uh, I'm not going to lie. I was a little, Oh shit, man, this put me on the spot. I'm yeah. going to have to pull some, pull my A game out here, but. And I think that's why some guys kind of conveniently don't show up as a guest. On, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'll invite all kinds of team guys, but once they go see that, wait a minute, there's like this challenge at the end. They're like, uh, yeah, I don't want to look, oh. I don't want to look stupid. Oh my God. But you did it. You're brave. Yeah. You're, you're well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I like to start by getting, getting the know, let healthy audience get to know you. Where, where'd you, uh, Born and raised, grow up, stuff like that. Ooh. Um, well, I was born at Fort Sam Houston, Army Base oh, in San shit. Antonio. Yep. Um, and then moved to Dallas. I was here till the second grade. Second grade, my dad got hired by Aramco. So then we moved to Saudi. Grew oh, up shit. in Saudi all the way up through high school and then came back to the States, went to college, joined the Navy, and here we are. <laughs> there you go. Fast forward to today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I know you had a really interesting career in the Navy and post Navy as well. And did you have any idea during all of that, that you were going to condense your life mission into this book? Uh, no, not at all. In fact, I was one of those guys that sat around in the team room going, what the fuck is up with these guys writing books? What's up with these dudes becoming talking heads on the news? Ooh, yeah. wow. What a, yeah. what a, the glass house is, yeah. is, is, is alive. throwing rocks, throwing rocks <laughs> alive and well. Um, but no, I, I the book thing kind of came up and I was like, eh, sure. And I had no idea. Um, I, I, yeah, I just had fun putting it together and had no idea that I would actually enjoy it so much because mm. it's, you know, the narratives that support the illustration, the illustration that supports the narratives, you put it together and you're giving people skills that hopefully uh, help them when a good day goes bad, you know? Well, I can <clears throat> tell you, I mean, first of all, you know, it's been a huge hit. You've had several spinoffs of it. So yeah. clearly people are really gravitating towards it. And, you know, we're living in some 
crazy times right now. Yeah. I mean, we could sit here and talk about all the shit that just recently going on and, and, you know, point to this book and say, Hey folks, you probably should be considering this at, at the very minimum. But you know, the, the one thing that I really liked about kind of like your whole mission is, is, is institute or instilling people that, that sense of resilience mm-hmm. and helping them to be better prepared, which I think, you know, you hear that saying, um, hard times create hard men and hard men create soft times. So we're kind of in that perpetual cycle of sorts and we forget some of these valuable lessons that, you know, generations ago kind of probably took to heart. Like to me, when I see this book, I'm not going to lie. I see this book and I'm, I'm transported back to like my boy scout time period where exactly. I feel like this is like the boy scout manual of adults, you know, like this is yeah. what you should be looking for, you know, and, and how to the simplest of things, you know, I think people also find it, And I'm curious to hear your input on this. Okay. I don't know anything about this. I'm not prepared. I don't have any, you know, supplies or I don't have any training or I don't have any ideas. So maybe I should just not do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a bad place to be. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and the books like these, including, you know, hundred daily skills or the SES survival manual, or even the, the boy scout handbook, which was always, I was a huge fan of as a kid Yeah, having gone through the entire boy scout program. Um, certainly influence this, but yeah, I'm amazed by the lack of foundation that a lot of folks choose to have. What's funny. I, I love it because all three of those that you listed are books that I actually have in the house that I shared with my boys. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, like your book, the SAS man and the, yeah. the, the boy scout handbook was like the very first one that I gave them. Yeah. And, the, and you know, they weren't interested in being boy scouts, but they were interested in kind of like they were outdoorsy. So, you know, I, my one, my younger son was more gravitated towards the, um, Boy Scout handbook, but my older son was more gravitated towards the SAS one yeah. just because he could build traps and right. do things like he liked to do. So, and yours didn't come out until they were much older, unfortunately, because I think that would have been really good for them. I think it's important for everyone to have a foundation and preparedness and think about it from time to time. I'm not a prepper, right? Yeah, I'm not a prepper kind of guy. Preppers buy stuff, shove it in a closet and wait for the, wait for the zombies to come. Um, preparedness is more about knowledge and skills than it is about buying stuff off Amazon. Right. So I think, you know, you, you need the knowledge, even if it means like, I I joke about it. My book is probably the most popular book next to a man's toilet, but if that's (laughs) where you're going to learn, then so be it. You know, so true. Yeah. And I I mean, I love it because they're easily digestible. I can just take one one, one tip, one of the hundred and just sit there and I'm like, Oh, I'm good. All right. Exactly. I've, I've, it's either that or social media. And I hate that. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten to the point now where I refuse to take my phone into the bathroom. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, I can't yeah. do that anymore. It's a good time to maybe learn a skill or two. I think that's better. Yeah. So when, when, and I love how you kind of interpreted that, uh, you know, the knowledge is one thing, but the practical skills are a completely different yeah. kind of like discipline in the, mm-hmm. in and of itself. It's it, like, I think the problem that we see a lot of times is people think they could just go to Amazon, buy something and they're good. Yeah. It's not even the case. You know, yeah. it's, it's, as you know, just something as simple as a GPS has become more, more and more advanced and more and more complicated over the years. Yeah. So that first generation Garmin you purchased to today, <laughs> you have to actually go out. You have to go use it. Yeah. You have to understand what all of those different modes are, how to track yourself, plot a point. Okay. That's all great. But then you back up from that. You go, well, wait a minute. If the batteries die or the satellites are down, well, then you go back to map and compass. Yes, right? and baby. So that's where... 
knowledge and skills versus buying something on Amazon, you know, there is a place for the gear that you buy. No doubt about it. Yeah. But it has to be supported by that foundation. And if you don't have that, well, then you're kind of just setting yourself up for failure. I I love that. And there's there's another thing too that I, I like about how you approach that. It's like, you know, okay, technology is great. Love technology. I'm going to use technology whenever I can. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, why, you know, I, I'm going to still stay somewhat proficient, albeit I'm probably not as good as I was when I was younger as far as map and compass, but I still can do the things that I need to. And in a pinch, I can figure it out. Yeah. The, but I would much rather just whip out that GPS, power it up and, and, and go with it. But you know, what if, what if I'm, and, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, the community, the special operations community, and particularly the NSW has is that, that what if component, like mm-hmm. we're just what if in the shit out of everything, you know, yeah. we could, we can make NASA look like teenagers when it comes to what if in a mission and thinking right. about all the various things that could go wrong and sideways and how are we going to adapt to that? And I remember early on in my career when we started to do the, the contingencies, you know, so you got your five phases of your operational cycle. Every phase has three contingencies, three what ifs, and we're going to have three ways of dealing with that. And after a while, it just became so second, like as a new guy, I'm like, oh, I got to remember all this shit. Yeah. What if I can't remember what my tertiary is? Oh, fuck <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But after a while, it just becomes second nature. It becomes like sort of like, um, I guess not a habit, but an expectation. Yeah. You kind of become, uh, you know, like, okay, the lights went off in the house because we're experiencing a thunderstorm. All right. We just go into, you know, our, our normal mode of lights out. What do we do? We go and get our candles. We do this. How has that, like, have you seen that kind of transition? Like the, what if transition that we had in the military, have you seen that in the civilian world? developed or is it developing? I would say, I think it is. Yeah. I think, um, if you, as much as we hate social media, if you just watch it, (laughs) you know, I know what I know personally is people who buy the book or any of these, any of these books I've put together. And when they tag me, they're, you know, they're at least it's a moment in time and it's just an image and it, who knows what the hell is really going on. But it does give you the impression that people do take it somewhat seriously and have started to go, okay, especially you look at mass shootings. Oh right? yeah. They're happening more. Uh, there's more mass shootings per year than, than there are days in the year for the past four years. Yeah. Right. So that alone has, I think caused people to go, wait a minute, I need to, uh, I need to reevaluate. I need to have a plan I need to think about, you know, what run, hide, fight really means to me and my family. And, um, and a lot of that is obviously in the books, you know, meeting violence with violence is a key component, um, depending on the situation and your capabilities. But it's, uh, yeah, I feel like the, the, the real place where you can determine, Hey, is this really, are people really taking this stuff seriously is, yeah, I'd have to say they are because the number of how much I get tagged or put in something that relates to directly to yeah, it's a good observation, certain events. And, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned mass shooting and there was, I mean, less than 24 hours mm-hmm. we're dealing with. And I think the suspect is still at large or hasn't been uh, apprehended. Yeah. And, you know, you think about mass shootings and you think about what's happening with those and the run, hide, fight mantra, which I think is a, is a great, you know, if you don't Mm -hmm. have anything, at least that's something. Yeah, exactly. And my, my, um, when I start to think about what's happening up in Maine right now, and you know, like we're looking at six, the reports vary 16 to 22 people dead. That's a, 
that's a lot. I mean, yeah. this dude was he's a trained guy. Too. He was yeah, absolutely. He was trained. Um, he, you can see that in those photos that he posted up, there was something different about him. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, we also are starting to discover that he had some mental issues. So, you know, not, not surprising there, but you know, you put yourself in any of those places. I think he went to three places, a bowling alley, Walmart, and the restaurant. And you're in those, you're in that restaurant, minding your own business. You're doing your thing, having a wonderful meal. And, you know, you, I think the, you never pick the moment. The moment picks you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we start thinking about preparedness, you know, it's a, it, you know, people want to, oh, that can never happen. That's not, oh, I live in a nice place. You know, we're all, we, we're a country folk or we, we know our neighbors kind of thing. And that kind of mentality is, I think, perpetuating the lack of preparation or the lack of acknowledgement that I need to be prepared. I need to at least acknowledge that that shit can happen. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be wrong place, the wrong time. Now it's any place at any time. And uh, a lot of people I think are starting to see that and adopt it. Um, And I think too, you know, people used to just kind of walk around blindly, aimlessly sitting at tables. I think some are starting to go, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, assessment plus decisions equals actions, right? So true. And so if you could walk into a place and take five seconds to assess, you know, where am I sitting as it relates to the doors, knowing that there's always an exit in the kitchen, you know, there's always more routes than you can actually see unless you go up, go to the restroom. Okay. Yeah. There's a back door back here. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a paranoid moment. It's just, Hey, do a quick assessment. Then you can go, all right, what are my decisions now? I got decisions this way. I got decisions that way. I got decisions that way. And when crisis strikes, the goal is to act out decisions that you've already made. God, I love right? hearing that. So man. say that again for the people in the back. <laughs> That's a beautiful <laughs> yes. thing. I mean, because you know, you, you, you find yourself in that situation where it's either it's, it's, you know, you, you get that, that, that fight or flight, but there's also freeze. Oh yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that the freeze component is a direct result of not being able to make a decision. Yeah. And that decision-making matrix that you failed to make is because you didn't take the time to do the assessment. You didn't take the time to think about things. You didn't, and, 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 you know, you're right. It's not paranoia. I think there's a negative stigma attached to that. It's just like, think of it from this perspective, the way I, when I have somebody that says, that's just being paranoid. I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's back up a second. You have your family with you. Mm -hmm. All right. And you're out and your responsibility is to ensure that they're safe and all this other business. Don't you think that just taking a moment to look around and see, okay, there's an exit there. I can get to that. Uh, You know, I'm going to have to grab my youngest and he's in the stool or whatever. I'm going to, I'll be the one that does that. My wife will have to grab the, you know, by the hand and lead the, you know, just doing a little bit. I mean, how much time did that actually take in my head to do that? And so are you being paranoid or are you looking out for your family? Yeah, exactly. And that's, I I think that's the big difference. It is. And, you know, hopefully, you know, more and more people are doing it these days. And whether they get the information from people like you and I, or they get it from somewhere, at least it's hopefully floating around more and yeah. more, you know, and with that, and I think it's important for people to know, you have naturalistic decision-making, you have tactical decision-making. Oh, I like this. The naturalistic side of the house is clinical, right? It's me. I compare it to going to the grocery store where you have plenty of time, mm. no stress. Yeah. And you just, you can go, Wow this cucumber versus this cucumber and God, I really like this one, you know? Yeah. Tactical decision-making is you have zero time and nothing but stress. But the only way you get good at tactical decision-making is in a clinical setting, being more decisive, right? Giving, taking time and going, okay, make a decision. Don't, don't give yourself so much time. Yeah. 
and be a little more uh, deliberate um, with your clinical decisions you make in life. And then on top of that, you have to do the what if game. Oh, and you, that way, now you're making decisions when everything is calm. You have plenty of time, no stress, yeah. right? When you're sitting in that restaurant and you're looking around. And then let's say 10 years later, you've been doing that. Now you've already been making your decisions for 10 years. And then when that first shot is fired and you find yourself in an unlucky situation, you're just going to act out the decisions you've been making for 10 years straight and you're going to live Man, because you. you've been doing that. And now you're a tactical decision maker because That's you've something. been using your clinical time to work through the scenarios and have those decisions. I don't, I don't think people can really value what you just said enough because it, it's, it's that it's the, the fact that you've habituated that over time. And we're, we both know this. Everybody should know this in those types of events, those critical incidences, time is not on your side. The time that it takes for you to just think, Oh, wait a minute. I saw an exit. I think it was, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's, that's too little too late in many cases. I mean, good for you, at least for thinking about that. But, I'm glad, but just in a go, I'm go. glad you brought that up because I always say time can either be your adversary or your ally. Nice. The way that you make it your ally is by having all your decisions already figured out ahead of time. So, you know, it's so funny because, you know, and it, for us, this is just like, I don't know, it's like natural in some cases. Mm -hmm. You know, you go through like you, you guys, you know, they wonder how is it that you guys got so good at doing your job? Well, because we did it a lot. Yeah. We would go, you know, we'd go to the shoot house and we would just do run after run after run, explore every possibility that could possibly happen. There's those what ifs again. We become so familiar with those, you know, those unknowns that when we find one, it may not fit exactly into what we may have trained for, but it's close enough that we can bridge that gap in the time. That's the key. It's, it's being able to make those decisions in a timely manner that are correct. Yeah. Cause you can make a fast decision. Oh yeah. <laughs> you can run with the herd. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the right one. That's right. So we had, we have this event going on right now. And by the time this gets posted, we a couple months from now, but um, you know, the, the idea behind mass shootings we've seen, you mentioned it's they're they're becoming more and more popular for whatever reason. That's not the point, but we need to accept that. Yes. It doesn't matter why, like everybody already wants to know, well, why is this guy doing this? Why did this guy feel like he had to kill all these people? It doesn't matter. None of that really matters. What matters is that we address what we're going to do individually. So let's talk about like these mass shootings in particular, this one, you said run, um, run, hide, fight Yeah. for the audience that doesn't really understand what that really means. Break it down Barney style. Sure. Run. Each one of them are actually, there's a lot, there's a decision tree for each one of these. Yes. And I'm teaching it all the time in the corporate world on a regular basis. And so run what i always tell people every single time is that you should already know your routes the naturalistic side of decision making yeah. not the tactical so i come to work each day and while i'm on my way to work and the starbucks i like to go into the gym i like to go into my place of business the grocery store i hit when i'm on my way home back to home that's your pattern of life okay Inside your pattern of life are all of these options, all of these X's, and all of these outs that you have to kind of start to notice at a minimum. 
So you want to notice the X's, right? Because our job is always to get off the X. Yeah. And everybody knows that the anatomy of an ambush is, you know, speed, stealth, and surprise. Yeah. So that's what defines an X. The X is where I end up, where the bad guys have the greatest advantage. I need to identify those X's all along my routes, whether I'm driving, walking, or sitting at my desk, right? So wow. now you identify those. And what you've just done is protected yourself and prepared yourself yes. uh, without even really trying. So that's God. number one. Number two is now you're looking at like, okay, what are my outs? So while you're driving, while you're walking, while you're sitting at your desk, you're going, okay, where are all the exits? Okay. So I know all my X's. I know all my, I know all the X's. Okay. Not to be confused with exits. <laughs> uh, I know all my outs, which are your exits. Yeah. yeah. And right then you've created a plan. You don't even know you did it I because that, you, you're staying away from the X and you always know you're out. Okay. So once you lay that out, that's what you should be doing right now. Now, shots are fired. Number one, you have to, especially indoors, know where the shots came from. Yeah. So you've got to stop, look, listen, smell, like we've done in the teams for you know decades now, and determine if you can get eyes on the shooter. The biggest reason why is gunshots fired indoors is much different than gunshots fired outdoors. Gunshots indoors are omnidirectional. Yeah. You don't know what direction those gunshots have came from. I've taken a classroom full of teachers, put them in a classroom, closed the doors coming into that classroom, took a buddy with an AK-47 with blanks, put them down a hallway that's probably, you know, whatever, 25 feet, well, probably 25 yards, take a right and go another 25 yards and then start firing that AK off, right? Yeah, yeah. Blanks, bang, bang, bang. I'm standing in front of the teachers. And I asked them, where are those shots coming from? Every single teacher pointed to the very door to the right of me. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And they, I said, where? And they said, right outside that door. Oh, wow. Because the way sound propagates inside, as you know, yeah. you're firing rounds. You can't tell where it's coming from. Yeah. And this is why people in indoor active shooter scenarios, especially malls, they inadvertently run towards gunfire. <laughs> they think they're running away from yeah. it. So you have to stop, look, listen, smell the best you can um, before you run. Okay. Next piece of run is where there's this thing called the mammalian reflex. Yeah. Where we see a herd of people run by and there's a natural <laughs> piece. It's like, I got to run with these people. <laughs> I need to run. I need to run. I need to run. Right. Yeah. And that's the last thing you want to do because those people may not be running in the right direction. Oh God. Right. So you have to put the brakes on the mammalian reflex a little bit and go, wait a minute. Is that the right direction? Yeah. Okay. Um, so you're looking, you're listening. So what are you looking for? Well, just something as simple as brass on the ground. Oh, good idea. While you're moving. Yeah. Okay. I see brass. I see an empty magazine. He's been here. Okay. I'm looking at the direction in which people are moving. Is that wise? Are they moving in the right direction? Is there a bad guy with a gun? You're listening for those gunshots, but more than that, you're listening for the breaks and fire. Like that when a magazine, an empty magazine hits the ground, yeah. it sounds like an empty Coke can hitting the ground, yeah. right? I'm listening for that. I'm listening for the people's reactions to the gunfire and where it's coming from screams yeah. are much, it sounds horrible, but a scream is going to be more accurate than the bang. 
Oh, as far as direction. That's a good right? one. That's a good one. So you look, you listen, and you smell for gunpowder. You smell God, for what all yeah. those indicators it could be fire. Yeah. It could be, you know, there's so many different crises where look, listen, smell applies. Now you can go, and this is all seconds. Yeah. Right. Now you can make an educated run for it. And when I talk about runs, it's not a marathon. It's a sprint. What yeah. do you sprint? You're sprinting from cover to cover or concealment to concealment or concealment to cover. The difference between cover and concealment, we all know cover stops bullets. Concealment doesn't. So <laughs> concealment's like hiding behind the curtain. Yeah. It gets me out of the line of sight of the bad guy, yeah, yeah. which is great. Yep. If it's the only thing to hide behind. Yeah. <laughs> but if there is a concrete baller, a planner, you know, um, even a granite tabletop I can throw upright, whatever. Now you're talking about yeah. things that stop bullets. Gosh. You always want to identify the cover and the concealment stuff when you're driving. Yeah. When you're walking and when you're sitting at your desk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's really the run is, you know, you want to do it in sprints. You want to be deliberate. Um, if you find yourself in a long hallway and there's no place to hide or duck, then yes, you should do, you know, serpentine, serpentine, <laughs> serpentine, right? Just zigzag, zigzag, zigzag. Yep. Hey man. Yeah. Cause what we're doing for the people don't think about it, but that zigzagging it's changing windage yeah. and changing elevation as you get further yeah. away, yeah. making it a little more difficult for a guy to put an accurate bullet in your back. And that's kind of the goal of serpentine, serpentine, or, you know, just zigzag. I love it. I used to, I used to tell, uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm up, he sees me, I'm down. You know, that whenever we were doing for, you know, bounding movements and whatnot, I would say, how long, how far forward? Whenever the students would ask, yeah. how far forward do you bound forward or bound back? I'm say like, that to yourself. Exactly. I'm up. He sees me. I'm down. That's how much time you have. So, yeah, you know, great. The, the zigzagging, the, the serpentine. I love that one, too. But that's <laughs> what but, movie was that? Serpentine. I, serpentine. They were yelling it from yeah. one, one soldier to the serpentine. Yeah. serpentine. <laughs> I'm good. You know, somebody's going to post it in yeah, the comments, yeah, hopefully yeah. for us. And then I'll, I'll text you. But uh, so the, the run, that's yeah. the run. Yeah. The yeah. Hide. The hide is just that cover and concealment and whatever you've got, you yeah. know, and make sure you're identifying these things long before there's ever a, a shot fired. If you're outside, know that vehicles, right? A, an engine block stops bullet. A trunk doesn't. Yeah. So hiding behind the right end of the vehicle is smart. Um, and then, of course, fight, you know, and I tell people all the time, like you want to if you have time and you hear those gunshots getting closer and closer then that is, you know, you want to team up. Ideally, it's two to three people. Yeah. Um, you know, he's going to be coming through your door. Then, you know, the MMA world lays it all out for us and you keep it super simple. You know, the way you control a body and fighting is either with the hips or the head yeah. because both are co connected to the spine. So if I have control of the hips or control of the head, then I control the body. So the body is, that's, that's a primary target. Equal to that, the other primary target is the weapon. Yeah. And so we know that shooting stance, whether it's with a pistol or rifle, literally is a triangle that is about as weak as they come. Yeah. You know, we all have done it where if I tell you, hey, hold your pistol out and hold it there. Yeah. And then I come up and just use my <laughs> index finger and push down on the barrel. You go, ah, stop it. No, stop no, it. Hold, hold it up. Right. Yeah. Hold it up. And then boom, I yeah. can push it down. The strongest guy in the world. So... It's really when you're talking simple fighting, hips, head, hips is the bigger target. Okay, I'm taking that. The other guy, you're taking the weapon. Where am I taking it at? You want a two to one rule in fighting. If I do two hands to the one arm, so I'm going to win. Yeah. So two to hand to that weapon. What else am I using? Gravity. Because if I grab onto that weapon, 
pull it in tight and then just drop, drop. like a sack of shit. Yeah. Just drop to the earth. Yeah. There's no, no one is going to stay on their feet. Yeah. You know that. I know yeah. that, right? It's, it's like somebody grabs a hold of me or grabs a hold of that, this weak ass fulcrum, if you will. Then, and they just drop to the earth and let gravity take them. It doesn't matter if it's the hundred pound female. Yeah. Uh, a little kid. Yeah. I mean, you grab on and you just drop dead weight. That man. person is coming down with you, especially these guys that are buying, you know, they got the, they've got, you know, a carbine with a sling on it. Oh yeah. Guess where their body's going when they've got that cool sling on it. Straight going right there with you. God. Right. So anyway, that's very simplistic to what run, hide, fight is. There's a lot to it. I feel like, and that you have to think about and be smart about and of course, that's why simplifying through illustrations and narratives oh, in all the books. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, and I think like just that, whatever time it was, five minutes that you took to explain that. Yeah. I mean, that can be the difference between somebody coming home and somebody not coming home. Just understanding that at that level, just that surface scan level. Cause I, yeah. obviously we can dive in deep and, uh, and there's plenty more that unwrap there, but just understanding that. And I think another thing that really, uh, sometimes people don't think about is okay. All right. So you, you carry a firearm, you've got your LTC, you, 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 okay, that's great. That's mm -hmm. awesome. But what are you going to do about those times when you don't have your gun? Like mm -hmm. you have a workplace that is a prohibitive workplace. They don't allow firearms. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. You got to go to your school to pick up your kids or you got to do some, something at the school when a school shooting happens, you don't have your gun because you can't carry it there. The problem that I see with a lot of people that everything is a gun solution is that they, it, it, they don't fully, um, they don't fully execute that, that exercise that we just did. They don't mm -hmm. go through all, well, what am I going to do when I don't have that gun? When I don't have the ability to use a standoff weapon, when I have to get close, like you just described. And, yeah. you know, just having that understanding, I tell people this all the time is like, Hey, there are plenty of places I, I go that I can't carry a gun. I have to have a solution. I have to have a way of solving a problem that, might be a gun problem that when I don't have a gun, what are those solutions? Well, you know, there's other things that we can talk about, but just the idea, the drill is to think about it. The what if again, what if I don't have a gun? What if I'm at school when I can't carry a gun? That's what I'm hoping people can hear is like, well, I would just respond with my gun. All right. Yeah. Check. We got you. Cool. But now you don't have your gun. Right. Yeah. How do you do it? Yeah. I think, uh, I agree with you. I think a lot of people put a whole lot of their rescue power into that very weapon that they're carrying. Um, and then we know that most people, yeah, they may go through the eight hour education and be able to yeah. shoot paper really well. Yeah. But if you're not doing it on a regular basis, then you become very scary. You know, um, you know, we've got a lot of people constitutionally carry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're carrying guns. Everyone's carrying guns and they've never had a day of training in their life. And uh, so, I mean, I know you deal with that on a regular basis. Sure. And you're always putting out solid information on it. But um, we know that, okay, you, you got to be training with it. So the really what it comes down to is you pull your gun and the holster still attached to the end of it. That's what's going to happen to someone. And now they got to fight, right? You and, know, uh, yeah, you got to know what to do. The other thing that you <clears throat> mentioned just then that I think is really important is that you said this earlier, okay? Um, we talked about, you know, ordering something on Amazon versus the knowledge of how to use that thing. Yeah. So in this, you, you can't over-rely on any tool, 
no matter what the tool is, no matter how cool the tool is, you cannot put so much over-reliance on it that you ignore or fail to address all those other peripheral things that you should be doing. Like just to be right. well-rounded. Like I hear it all the time. You know, people, um, you know, well, I, I'm just going to work on this, this, you know, I'm training, I'm, I'm working, practicing, but I'm only going to practice this because, you know, that's, that's it, what everybody says that I should practice. That's it's the one thing. Yeah, it's the one it's thing. It's the one stop shop that's going to exactly going to solve yeah. my problem right there. Yeah, never. No. And I think you bring up a good. Every single one of my books starts with what I call you know the violent nomad workout, and I put workouts in there because crisis management starts with human performance. Right. If you mm. aren't in shape to deal with whatever that crisis is, well, then the crisis is going to get the best of you. So. If you can't carry yourself or carry your kids or carry your wife to safety, then you're already behind the power curve. So take your human performance piece seriously, get in shape, you know, which is really just making sure your heart and lungs can endure seconds, sometimes minutes yeah. of whatever that crisis is that you're going to face um, yes. and practice it every day. And then on top of that, you have to start thinking through some of these bad events and make it a, you know, nobody wants to talk about this stuff at dinner, but it's the best time to go, Hey, you know, kids, what, what are we going to do? Something like this happens. What do you think? We have a, I don't know. We have a common friend, great guy, team guy. Um, he was the team leader for the, you know, the bin Laden operation. And I sat down and was talking with him and man, <laughs> this guy, I went and visited him. He's got a bunch of kids and they're all little guys, right? They're like, I don't know, ranging between Maybe uh, you know, twelve, eleven, nice. uh, like ten, nine, eight, seven. He's got a bunch. Wow. Okay? Yeah, yeah. I know and, who you're talking uh, about. <laughs> and when you ask him, like, hey, you're gonna, you know, the Walmart parking lot scenario. Oh. And dad faces an issue. I was like, hey, so what do you guys do when when if someone uh, is messing with your dad? And they like acted it out. Oh, and they, really? They went into the they had they already knew their their lineup, right? It's a height line that immediately got single file behind dad. The first kid's grabbing on and holding dad's yeah. belt loop, yeah. right? Number two is holding on to the shoulder of number one. I number love it. three yeah. is on the shoulder of number two, right? Yes. So they, they like had this entire SOP. I love it. And then the best part was when you put Bob, and we all know Bob, yeah. right? The MMA yeah, fighting yeah. tool, right? Yeah. It's a, it looks like a plastic humanoid that you can punch in the face. It's a training tool. So once you put Bob in front, now as, as our buddy is going for the draw, the knife, the kids also know where dad's knives are. Knives. <laughs> They're drawing. And and then coming around, I love it. So this 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 Bob is getting stuck a thousand times. <laughs> yes, within a couple of seconds, oh. and then the kids are resetting back behind Dad again. I love it. Yeah. That's a beautiful. Was very, I was like, man, that's now that is uh, that is preparation. That is cool. Yeah, that is that's preparation. That's, that might be over the top for most families, and but, you know. But, but I mean, so yeah. like I had a. Uh, but this is a great <laughs> example. I mean, this is so important. We are willing to talk about what are we going to do yeah. if we have a uh, fire yeah. in the schools. We have a fire alarm. We have a fire drill. We do all this stuff. Okay, great. Why don't we have conversations about what we're going to do? Or I should say, why is it not a more. Um, like easy to talk about subject. Yeah. Let's talk about bad things. Let's talk about violence. Let's talk about the, the, the evil things that can happen in the world. Let's not, 
let's not shelter our kids. I know, you know, a lot of people feel like that's important, but I'm not saying that you introduce violence to your kids, but I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting that you introduce how you react and how you expect your, or what you expect your children to do during those times. Heck like, yeah. There's, I mean, like we had a second story. My, my, the house that the kids grew up in was a second story. And we had a, um, one of those, uh, fire escape ladders in one of the bedrooms. And I remember the, the first time the kids I felt like were, um, mature enough to, to, to deploy it on their own. Like, yeah. okay, all right. You know what? Right now our SOP is mom or dad is going to move up there. They're going to deploy it and you guys are going to come down with them. But yeah. what, you know, like yeah. now you're old enough. Now you right. need to be able to figure it out on your own. And, uh, it was in one of my kids' rooms. And when I finally was talking to him, like, okay, you know, I think you're, I think you're ready to go ahead and do this on your own. He's like, oh yeah, dad, I've already, yeah. I, cause it had a little swinging door yeah, and it was yeah. attached and it just threw out and deployed. Those are cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, but on the, on the door, it had like instructions and he goes, I've read those things like about 30 times. Yeah. I know exactly how to do this. Memorized. Yeah. I know yeah. exactly. I'm like, oh really? Okay. So how are you going to get the screen out? He's like, and he goes over to like his, uh, uh, like dresser and there's like some sort of device. I don't remember what it was now because those, those screens kind of, you, you kind of have to like, you could push them all the way out, but as a kid, they don't have that same power or extension to push the screen out. So he had figured out how to wedge those little get, springs. Yeah. Get yeah. underneath it to pop the screen out. And, and we had one of those um, crank yeah. windows and I was like, all right, duly yeah. noted. Good job. All right. Don't do it unless you have to, you know, if the okay. house isn't burning, don't deploy it. Cause you know, we, we also one time when they were kids, I pulled that thing out. And I'm like, yeah, I'm putting this back in because I'll never, it's like a, it's like that parachute. I'm never yeah. going to get into that same size again. So that's right. <laughs> but kid, you know, like it's a, it's a, it's a fire drill. Think of it, you know, for, for parents that are squeamish about this or, you know, you don't want to introduce it because you want your kids to grow up in a time when, you know, none of that is possible. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, I hate to break the news to you, but we're why that ship has sailed. Mm -hmm. The, the best thing that you can do is when, at age appropriate levels introduce them to what these, how to address these issues. And, you know, they're going to turn to you as the parents for guidance on that. So you lead. Yeah. For lead sure. them through it all. Yeah. So, um, so let me, let's, let's revert back. I like to sometimes back up a little bit. Yeah, sure. So what's the one thing that you do for yourself every day? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, I think people, I think the morning routine has kind of gotten old, right? Yeah. But I do, I do, uh, it has evolved, you know? Yeah. But the one thing, I mean, is obviously workout. Um, I love it. Yeah. I mean, um, the other stuff is taking more time like outside, right? Like go outside, let the sun hit you in the face 20 minutes or more every day. I've really, it's weird how you, you know, you don't realize how important that is because it's easy to kind of get sucked into from your home to your car, to the office or whatever your, your pattern of life is. And you never really get outside, but it's amazing just getting outside for 20 minutes or more and taking it in for a minute, how like soothing and calming and allows you just to really, uh, um, get through the day a little, a little easier. You know what I mean? But workouts do it for you, but it's like a different kind of, uh, stress relief. Just oh. get outside. It's like, it doesn't matter where, doesn't matter what you're doing. But as soon as I started kind of incorporating that, it really did make a difference. Um, I mean, there's so many things now that I kind of add in that yeah. I feel like make a huge difference on how productive I am and or <laughs> better yet, 
be productive and at the end of the day still feel like, okay, I'm still good. Yeah. Right? I'm not drained. Like I'm not drained or feel like shit zero or whatever. in the tank. Yeah. Oh man. I love that yeah. too. You know, um, and, uh, th- first of all, that's, that is great. And you mentioned it earlier, you know, you put the workouts in the books, the importance behind fitness. And, you know, I think we take it for granted because that's just our lifestyle. That's how we were forged. That's what, what was expected of us. Yeah. But even after the Navy, I still find it to be super valuable, but I'm also amazed at how many people really do not appreciate the importance behind fitness and the importance behind healthy living yeah. and being able to live a healthy life. So can't emphasize that enough, folks. It's so important. And then the sunlight, man, it's a crazy thing. Yeah, we, we're spoiled in the teams. You're always oh, outside. Yeah. But, it, you know, I started kind of going, wait a minute, there's something missing here. But, you know, and then when you read the research behind it, yeah. then it's like, oh, why haven't I been doing this since I retired? Because it only makes sense. You get outside. Oh, and oh, you remember, like, I, I don't remember ever being stressed or in a mood or anything the whole time I was in the Navy. I, I when don't you're, either. You're you're doing something physical all day, every day, and you're outside a majority of it, and you're like happy. Yeah, and, you're, and you're with other like-minded you're not even, people. You're not making good money. No. Right? <laughs> you don't have cool things. No. Because right? the things that, because this is what's happened, right? Because of social media, we think we need to make an, be making a ton of money, mm. right? And we need all the cool things. But God, man. you really reflect on the happiest moments in your life. For me, it was in the teams. And you're like, wait a minute. I didn't have cool shit. I didn't have any money, but yet I wasn't, I was not unhappy Dude, or anything I, or stressed I, out. It was like, man, this is awesome. I, first of all, <laughs> you I gotta wonder why I right? love hearing that from somebody else. <laughs> I love hearing that from somebody else because you know, some, sometimes guys will say, Oh, you're just stuck living in the past. I'm like, no, that shit was good. Like I want that for the rest of my life. You have to implement it now though. Yeah, that's the key. That's it's the, like, that's the trick. That's right? the like, hard how part. I, so how do I, how do I make that happen now? Yeah. Right? And it's tough, but you know, like it's so funny because um, I would start to get antsy and, and, and I didn't understand why. And you know, it, it would depend on what my training schedule looked like because you know, I'm, we're training, we're outdoors for that, you know, two, three, five days, however long the course is, we're mm-hmm. outdoors that whole time. Yeah. And I feel like I'm like a, a solar power battery. So when I'm, when I'm not traveling, I'm not training. Typically I wasn't yeah. training outside. So my battery would just run down. That's a good, yeah. I and like I that. would be like, that's exactly oh, it. You're a solar powered battery. Exactly. And so I would, or what, Superman. Yeah. <laughs> Superman gets, you get, yeah. I, I like the Superman. He gets battery. his powers from the sun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I would like, as soon as I would go out uh, to a class and I, I would get out to the class, first day of class, I'd, oh, man, I'm great. you know, and, and it's not like I, uh, I enjoy training. I still do. I find it very uh, rewarding. But I think the other thing, and now that I'm thinking about what you just said, is that it was outdoors. Outdoors. It was outdoors. Yeah. And I would, I would be outdoors. I'd be with other people that I liked or, you know, got along with at least. And I was doing an activity that was physical and I was doing stuff. So all the things that you talked about, about what it was like, the, 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 the joy of being in the teams, it just now dawned on me, okay, well, that's the reason why I would start to get those withdrawals almost, mm-hmm. you know, I'd start to get like antsy and my, 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 my wife, ex-wife at the time would be like, you know, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. I, I have to do something, you know, <laughs> I got to do something. And, and yeah. you know, now looking back at it, well, that, that was probably it. So you bought some nods and now you're ready to rock, right? You knew you needed training to run that rifle like a Chad. So why should night vision be any different? TNVC.com is your source for the night fighter training. You need to be effective. How, how is your sleep? Um, you know, it depends on the day. 
Um, but for the most part, it's crap <laughs> because hey. there's, there's like three or four surgeries I choose not to do my neck, my shoulders, my right knee and left hip. You know what I mean? So it, there's always something painful and I feel like I'm in the most pain when I lay down in my, all my muscles, tendons and ligaments relax. That's mm. when the pain kicks in. Interesting. So I literally... Part of working out for me, especially like shoulders, for example, I don't know if it's true or not. It's kind of my own theory on it, but keeping all the muscles tight helps hold, you know, my humerus in place and yeah. prevents so much pain on my rotator cuff. So you, you strengthen all the muscles around the injury. Somehow I get through the day just fine with no pain, but when I lay down, Oh, I see. You yeah. Know, and mm -hmm. you, and everything starts to kind of relax then everything it's on fire, but you know, so there's, um, I've been working with just different ways of kind of managing it. And, uh, but yeah, it's like, I, I tend to wake up at three Yeah, every mm. night I have, a and then I don't go back to sleep. I just get up at three. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have like those, um, and I, I'm interested because, you know, sleep to me has become so important Yeah, in the oh, last like three to five years <clears throat> because I've struggled with it. Yeah. You know, and I didn't understand, you know, some of the stuff early on. I, I have a better understanding now. So I'm always curious what are guys like, you know, like sleep hacks or cheat codes that they use to kind of help. And um, I uh, when I'm injured, which is most of the time, um, I'm in the same boat when yeah. I when I lay down. And I used to think it was because of my bed. Oh, I need to get a new bed. No. I need to get a new mattress. Yeah. I need to do but but now that I think about it, you're right. Because when when I'm upright and I'm moving, I have to I have to like most of my injuries are overuse injuries. And, you know, it's because uh, my body, you know, compensates, it adjusts and it takes up, you know, it accommodates things. So I'm all screwed up. I went to a therapist um and, uh, as, you know, they were working on, they're like, yeah, I came in there to work on my knee and they're like, yeah, your, uh, your shoulder is like probably Jack more, yeah. more important than your knee. And I'm like, but I hurt, my knee hurts. My shoulder doesn't hurt. Like <laughs> eh, you need to. So yeah, I'm starting to realize all those aches and pains, those, that high mileage that we put on our bodies early in our lives, you know, it comes at a cost. And so, uh, when I learn proper, proper movement, like I have to almost relearn how to walk to make sure that I'm keeping my bones and my ligaments, my tendons in the, in the, in the correct position to do what they should do. Kind of like how you yeah. keep your shoulder joint in the proper position. And you know, it sucks because you're like, you know, yeah, I literally, I have to like, think about, you know, what's the alignment of my toe with my ankle, with my knee as I'm walking, just because if I don't, well, then my hips are screwed. My, then my, my lower back is screwed. It'll and then, fire something up. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, then, yeah. And, and I feel it when I lay down, right. When I lay down, and I just kind of like the body relaxes the muscles that we're trying, that we're keeping everything in alignment now fall out of line. Exactly. Yeah. And then everything is like exactly the same Yeah. <laughs> during the day. Everything's engaged and it. happy. I don't feel it. Yeah. And then at night you disengage all that and you're just like, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> right. I, uh, <clears throat> I find, uh, you know, when I, when I wake up in the middle of the night too, I struggle sometimes because I can't shut my brain off. Well, that too. Yeah, yeah. I just like, and like, so I, when I get up in the middle of the night, I will struggle to just try to go back to sleep. And I'm like, I'm like counting sheep. I'm, I'm reliving moments in life. I'm doing, you know, like I'm doing things like I'm disassembling, reassembling shit, you know, like in my head, I'm trying to yeah. do that to calm my brain down so I can go to sleep. But 
not as I'm not as uh, fortunate. My brain stays on overdrive for most of the day. Yeah, even at night, too. even at yeah. night, even at night. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, like, we talked a lot about preparedness, and we talked a little bit about like the current events. And I, I'm curious to hear. I know that you did a lot of traveling in the Middle East, but you know now that we're seeing what's happening in the Middle East, how does that affect? You know, you know, we had a pandemic, we defunded the police, we had um, all sorts of other shit, you know, okay. Yeah. So, okay, hopefully people, more people are waking up to this, but now we have, you know, we have Ukraine and Russia, but now we have what's happening in the Middle East with Israel and Palestine. Yeah. I mean, you know. Crazy world. It is a very crazy world. It's a very crazy time. I mean, it's not like violence hasn't ever existed. And, and I tell people this all the time, like, you know, we think, we make the mistake of thinking that we're civilized. Mm-hmm. And really, when it when you look at it, uh, we are uh, we're the furthest thing from civilized. I mean, we might live in a civilization, but that doesn't make us civilized, right? And I I'm watching everything happen <clears throat> in Israel right now, and particularly how that's impacting us here in the states. And yeah, I'm worried about that. Like I, honestly, when I heard about that mass shooting last night, before a lot of information was out, I was worried that it might be a result of what was happening over in, in uh, the Middle East. Right. Honestly, I thought that. Yeah, I, I could see that, you know. Um, yeah, my thoughts on it are strategically, mm. I tend to wonder some stuff. So I'll give you like, let's say at a BRIC summit, okay? Mm. We know the BRIC countries, mm. is it, that, that the summits are growing. Saudi's joined, South yeah. Africa's part of the BRICs. You know, everybody's part of that now. And that's, you know, Brazil, Russia, India, China. And now it's grown to... Uh, 20 something plus uh, countries now are part of BRICS. That's um, 60% of the global population now falls under BRICS. Wow. Okay. 60%. That's a lot. So that's something to worry about now, um, especially when they're talking about their own currency. Um, But what I really worry about is if we know China, they have, you know, 500,000 year plans. Okay. They're, they're far ahead of us. Yeah. They move slower, but they are methodical yeah. and they phase things out and they're deliberate and patient. And that is scary. Yeah, it is. So I imagine a room like this, it's a day of all these countries doing their BRIC summit. And then China says, Hey, Russia, Iran, North Korea, let, let's come on. Let's, let's have some drinks. Right. Mm. They go into a back room and China says, hey, Putin, you know, uh, you guys are doing a good job, like really getting the U.S. distracted over yeah. there. Yep. Hey, uh, Iran, what what are you going to do? I'm, I mean, clock's ticking. Yeah. OK, yeah. I need you guys to do something. Uh-huh. All right. Now, yeah. look what just happened. Right. Yeah. And I and I always look at timing. Right. OK. Oh. It's been a year or two, Russia. Now you've got Iran because there's no doubt that Hamas supported, funded, and all of the planning was promoted and pushed and executed by Iran. There's no question. Yeah. With 90 million in crypto. Wow. Okay? 90 million is how much those dudes had in their bank account to pull this off. Wow. So wow. you're looking at all that money and now, okay, so what is, what's going to happen in a year or two? What's next? And is that going to be when China makes its move, knowing that we will spread ourselves thin supporting Israel, then China makes its move on Taiwan? Yep. Or is it the two 
submarines that China developed and took our stolen EMP technology and stuck it on those. Yeah. Because you could put one of their subs on the West Coast, one on the East Coast, and fire off those EMPs, take out both coasts, and let the United States kill each other. Good point. Because they're never going to, we're not going to see Red Dawn and see a bunch of red parachutes in the sky. What's going to happen is the infighting that we're good at and that for some reason we can't grow up long enough to just stop where the borderline civil war thing is there. But anyway, these are all like, I, I, I tend to kind of think like, man, these guys are really, if, if they are doing that, and I'm kind of giving this broad brush, right? Of course. It could be far more in depth. There could be a, a whole lot more to it than we could ever imagine. Of course. Um, because as you know, I know when I was in and when I was at the NSA and I'd see behind the curtain at CIA and all these places, I was always comforted like, wow, I'm glad they're thinking like this. I'm uh-huh. glad we're yeah, doing yeah, yeah, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah. But we're not the only ones to do that. Yeah. That's the part that's scary. What's going on behind the curtain with all of our adversaries? Yeah. What are they sitting around plotting on us that we're sitting here plotting to defend when we really, you know, last time we were on the offense was, you know, going after Bin Laden, really. I mean, ever since then, it's always defense type stuff, you know, and man, I just, so anyway, point being is I really hope that, you know, our intelligence communities and the military and everybody's, you know, thinking as nefarious as possible, you know, because that is what is going to set us up for success in the future. But if China is the, is the puppet master behind a lot of this stuff, which I believe they are, I mean, the potential is there because you see the moves they're making. They're at the North pole. They're in Cuba. They're running prisons in New York for their own people here. Right. Wow. The Chinese jail that's in that. I didn't that, know that about they that. Discovered in, yeah. There was a Chinese, like, I forgot what they called it, but it's a detention center. Uh, I believe in New York that, I can't remember it was local police or the FBI unraveled, but it was their own like, Hey, to punish other Chinese citizens in this country that aren't really, you know, following uh, the rules. Right. Oh my God. It's weird stuff. Yeah. But you know, weird. Does that mean it's going to happen? I don't know. Weird is weird. So the thing that really resonated with me just now is how well you are um, kind of just taking a broader view of things. Yeah. And and I think the other problem that we make is it doesn't hurt us to have these types of wargaming yeah, conversations. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't nobody yeah. no you know, I mean nobody should get offended. Okay, yeah, China is posed to take over Taiwan. Everybody should not be offended by that. We should not be um that shouldn't put people on edge. It should just be an acknowledgement. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense strategically for their it's a possibility. Exactly. Yeah. And in in and the thing that I try to tell people is like, don't worry about the probability of it. Let's just talk about the possibility of it. Yeah. And what are we going to do? How is that going to impact us? How is that going to impact us? And what is that going to do to our, you know, all the things that matter to us, our economy, our lifestyle, our ability to, you know, support our allies. How is that going to affect us? And it doesn't mean that we have to take action, but if we're at least thinking, it goes back to what we were talking about, the, the critical decision-making that you do before the event. Right now we're better prepared. And I think that's, that's the problem that I don't see happening. I don't, I see us like you, man, you hit the, the nail on the head with the infighting and the distractions. And I try to tell people that all the time. I'm like, dude, don't be so rookie ish to uh, be distracted by this over here. 
Yeah. You know, like just, you know, zoom out and let's think about the big picture and let's try to focus on like, well, what can we do to help support in the Middle East? True. I'm, I'm all for that, but let's zoom out and see what that really means to us on a global scale, on a big picture. How's that going to impact us? Yeah. So I hope, I hope we're looking, I hope they're, which I, I you know, I have to think there are people yeah. that sit in a room like, like you were describing the that think just, tanks. Yeah. yeah. That just, just do that. And I hope that those people can impact other people to take measures or to act or to draft more things that lead to something more definitive at that point. But yeah, I, Overall, I think we just need to be a little more cautious on how we support everything on the globe. It's like, man, <sighs> calm down, take a moment. You know, we we haven't even had a chance to re, regroup, you know, since Iraq and Afghanistan shut yeah. down and everything else. You know, it's like, just fuck, <sighs> take a moment. So that, that, <laughs> that leads me to another, a theory that I have, that the perpetual cycle of you know, war fighting, the military, yeah, the military war complex or whatever they call it. Yeah. Industry, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm not saying, um, yeah. like when I, you know, back in the day, I mean, I was a uh, strong isolationist. It's like, ah, fuck that. We don't need to help those people. We don't, they don't want to be. And I, I would tell them, I'm like, you know what? The majority of the world doesn't want to be Americans. It just mm. takes you traveling a couple of deployments and you realize that, you know, they like us, but they don't want to be us. That's yeah. the difference, you yeah. know? And I, and I don't want to push or impose on them. Right. Americanism. Don't. Yeah. You don't want it. Don't do it. It's cool. I'm good with it. And then I kind of was like, well, you know what? We we need to we need to we need to share this 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 experiment that we call America with everybody. We need to bring them all in. We <laughs> yeah. need to, you know, and I went through that stage. Yeah. And and then I'm right democracy. Back, <laughs> yeah. I'm right back to the, you know, the isolationist idea, but but toned down a little bit. You know, I feel like we have allies. We've worked really hard to develop those relationships. We should support them just because, you know, they support us. And, and I feel like nowadays um, we're, um, you know, like, fuck, man, like you said, we like, would it hurt? But like, how critical is it to mobilize? Uh, first of all, we both know how much it takes to mobilize a, mm. a large group to be ready to deploy. That wasn't planned to be deployed. Yeah. You know, like that just, you know, that puts so many uh, problems on the horizon for existing stuff that's going on. You know, we still have obligations in every other places. So my worry, I'm getting, I'm, I'm not getting to my point very quickly, but my worry is that, like you said, we're spread so thin mm -hmm. that it's very easy for us to continue to take things on. Well, you end up vulnerable. Well, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. I've always approved and believed in the two front war. Okay. Two front war I get, but it's not a long-term sustainable thing. No, you can't, we can't ever do it. We, I mean, we barely got through it in world war two. Yeah. Honestly. And we barely did. And so being able to continue to be a two front war nation, I think has led to us overreaching big time. Yeah. Like just going way beyond where we should. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, so let me ask this next question. Sure. What's been your biggest challenge in life? Biggest challenge. Boy, I've had a bunch of them. I know. I know. <laughs> let me narrow down which one. Jeez. The one that, the one that, uh, the one that you fancy. Um, you know, I think, I think we were talking about it earlier. Mm -hmm. The most recent, I would say the most recent challenge was, and I think a lot of guys experience this in different ways, but it was like a delayed 
transition oh, piece yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. You know, I got out of the Navy with a plan, retired after 21-ish years, and then had all these tasks. A task saturated myself, you know, and doing all these things and trying to accomplish all this stuff. Yep. And then here I am seven, eight years later, and all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I'm really sick of all my shit. You know, I don't, I wake up and I'm like, I don't really like this anymore. And I don't want to do that anymore. And, and I found myself, what we talked about, you go into this rut. Yes. And that rut, you know, then I would kind of start, wait, wait a minute, let's step back. Yeah. I'm really good at kind of getting out, of, out outside of myself. At least I try good to. Good for you, man. Try to. <laughs> and, and go, all right, what's going on here? And it really boils down to like, you know, you do, you do anything for any, you know, period of time. So for us, the military, you go 20 years straight at 120 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And then it comes to a screeching halt. Oh. All the baggage eventually hits you in the back of the head, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you got to deal with that baggage yeah. in some form or fashion. Oh, man. And, you know, I, it wasn't about, hey, I don't like all my stuff. What it really boiled down was like, man, I just really liked being part of a team, having, having some goal or purpose that was greater than me. That's a big thing, right? 100%. Being part of something that's like for the greater good. Like you're, you know, you want, especially once you're doing stuff at like, you know, a tier one command and everything you go do is like a big fucking deal. Yeah. And you're like, and then, but it took seven, eight years for me to all of a sudden miss it all. Yeah. Cause I just stayed so busy. I hear you, man. And so this year has been the biggest <laughs> obstacle to just get over myself and you know, my, <laughs> my little self-imposed rut and, uh, go, okay, wake the fuck up. Okay. So all of that was cool. It's the past. You had a lot of fun. Yeah. Got to do a lot of cool stuff. But now it's like, okay. And now you've, you've accomplished, uh, you've had some successes here and there since you've been out. Now you got to like just push through. Yeah. Get to the other side, get motivated again, and just keep, you know, I literally say it out loud, like keep moving forward. Yes. Like I say it multiple times a day because yep. I can sit at my desk and get to a point where I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and then it's like, nope. Keep moving forward. Yes. And then I could be in the gym. And I'm like, I really don't feel like lifting this weight. Oh, yeah. Keep moving forward. Love that. So it's just a literally say it out loud for anyone that's, you know, facing that rut. It's like, just say it. Keep moving forward. And yeah. all of a sudden, one foot will go in front of the other. And Surprise. before you know it, you know, a couple of weeks goes by, a couple of months goes by, and you're like, okay, back on track. So, yeah, there you go. I, well, first of all, I mean, I think... You know, I think a lot of guys experience that type of uh, transitional, yeah. whatever we want to call it. I, I know that I did the exact same thing. I put so much on my plate. I stayed busy, 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 busy. And I didn't look up. I didn't come up for air, just kept moving. And when it hit me, oh man, so much of my, so much of my other facets of my life, which is so out of whack, mm-hmm. so out of whack. And, you know, we talked a little bit before the show started about the, the value that our past brought to us and how important it was. The purpose I think is so, man, I tell you what, it took me a while to figure that out. What's my purpose now? Yeah. You know, like I could define my purpose. My purpose was so clearly defined mm-hmm. in the Navy. And even after the Navy, when I was still doing work overseas, it was very clearly defined, but then it became a little muddied and gray. And, and I struggled like about eh, seven, eight, like seven, eight years ago is when I feel like I finally came out of the, that, that fog and was like, all right, fuck 
reassess, get your shit together. What do you want to do? Right. Rather than just kind of repeating, you know, just spinning that wheel, I had to actually stop everything. And we said, we talked about this, like the hardest thing for us to do early on once we left the Navy was to say no. Yeah. And now it's like, now it's a little bit easier for me to say that. I I say yes to what I want to do and that's it. The things that make you happy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it was hard too, because you want to just keep that mentality going like Mm -hmm. that, you know, we, you know, one foot forward, keep moving. I, I, I tell the way I tell my kids is like head down, feet moving. That's how you do it. You keep your head down. You keep, you know, that keeps you focused on your goal. You're looking at your goal and you keep your feet moving towards your goal. Boom. So I love that one. Yeah. Um, simple. It, it, effective. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The old, uh, the old adage, SIG, simple is good. Yeah. You know, I've, I've heard, I've, I've used that to my boys a couple of times too. Right. It's funny. I have these moments with them now where, um, you know, like the, the simple is good. My, my, uh, my older one, he, he likes to do these projects. He'll, he'll do stuff. And, and, uh, you know, I'm like, why are you doing it like that? Why don't you just do it like this? And I'm like, well, it's just so much simpler. I don't know what the hell it is, but it just seems like it would be simpler if you did this. Yeah. And he just storms <clears throat> off, he just storms off. And I'm like, okay, that that's a win. I won that one. So yeah. good for me. Yeah, um, there you go. Um, so what the thing that I like to finish off on a lot of times is how do you deal with failure? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it happens all the time. <laughs> we, we talked about that at the beginning of the show. You, you know, whether it's, you make a bad decision and you get screwed over or hey you just got screwed over right um you have to go back and evaluate and assess that failure mm-hmm. and try to extract the lessons learned from it you know and then and then take those lessons learned and apply them you know and i've i'm guilty of even t- identifying the lessons learned and still making another bad decision or not applying them so i think you know, you, you face some adversity in your life and it ends up in a, what, what's, what we would say is a failure. You, I think the first key is, Hey, it's not, it's just a moment in time yeah. where things didn't work out yeah. the way that you thought. Yeah. It's not really a failure. Yeah. And so you change how you look at it and say, Hey, you know, that was, that didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. So how do I get it back on track? Man. And you have to assess it. You can't ignore it. You assess it and then, okay, now I'm going to take the lessons learned and apply it to the future and hope that it doesn't happen again. But it's okay because I can tell you right now, I've made the same bad mistakes over and over again. <laughs> and uh, you got to like sometimes get punched in the face four or five times before you realize you got to put your hands up. Oh, and um, fuck. And I've definitely, <laughs> you know, definitely been punched in the face four or five times before I put my hands up. But eventually it comes, you know, but we're all different and it's okay, you know, to kind of, it's okay. You just, but don't let it stop you. Don't let it defeat you. You know, I'm not a motivational guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're certainly not going to see me on Instagram going, you know, rah, 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 keep going, rah, rah, rah. You know how I stay hard, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> motherfucker. I just keep running, you know, like, that's a good one. <laughs> Everybody knows who that is. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I could never do that. He's got the power of, uh, of that stuff. I certainly couldn't do that, but, well, but you do have to, I mean, it is true. You have to keep moving and you got to sometimes just yell at yourself. Like I was saying, I literally say it out loud. Just keep moving forward. Man, I'll tell you, it, it, but it's such simple, you know, I think a lot of times too. Uh, I look at failure differently this in, at this point in my life. I look at it as a as a lesson. Yeah. Before I looked at failure strictly from failure. I didn't value what it brought to me. 
Yeah. I didn't value that. Uh, okay, it can make me better. It can it can yeah, actually yeah. help me to do my job better. I didn't value that. Uh, I just didn't want to make a mistake. I didn't want to look bad. I didn't want to be that guy. And it really kind of stunted my growth. To mm. be honest, it really did. Uh, and nowadays, oh man, I I am I trip all over myself. I I'm my own worst enemy. I make all sorts of mistakes. And and you know the other thing too, and I kind of uh, um I miss this is I miss having the uh, the older guys, the mentorship that, you know, would kind of help keep you in line, but you could also go to, you know, I'd be like, hey man, what do you think about this? Is this, you know, oh my God, that's so stupid. That's the dumbest thing I've ever fucking heard. I'm like, right, oh. right. You know, but, but, you know, I miss, you know, I miss having that resource of, of, uh, you know, the, the, the senior leadership, the experience, the guys that had the salt on their shoulders that you would go to and, you know, like, Hey, am I screwed up? Yeah, you're fucking screwed up. Go do it right. You know, yeah. like, you know, but they would, but <clears throat> it, it was something that I took for granted. Right. And now I have a, a, a nice network of friends now that, you know, I can bounce ideas off of and like, Hey man, what do you think about this? They're, they're, you know, like yourself, you're successful. You understand the business model. We've made mistakes. We've talked about the, you know, the, the mistakes yeah, yeah. That we, we make. every day. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I love, I love being able to bounce ideas off guys. Cause I feel like that is one of my um, ways of preventing myself from making those same mistakes is like, Hey, don't just be the only voice in your head, get some sound advice. So mentorship for me has changed a lot over the years. Cause you know, that's part of our culture. Yeah. We have that type of mentorship as part of our culture. And then once you leave that, you, you kind of don't have it anymore unless you can create it yourself. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I think it really is simple as if you're not making mistakes or oh, failing, yeah. then you're not probably taking risks. And if you're not taking risks, then you're probably not really going after whatever that oh, is, God. that goal, the way that you should be, you know? And it, it and as you know, you've got, there's risk with everything. Right? Oh yeah. So is it going to happen or is it not going to happen? What are the odds? I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, just go for it. Yeah. You make a mistake <laughs> or it doesn't work out the way you want. That's okay. At least you tried. Oh my God. You know, and if I, I mean, I like the one piece of advice that I try to give my kids is like, you, you only see the successes. That's yeah. all you see. Yeah. You don't see all my failures. You don't see how many projects that I try to bring to the, you know, try to bring alive that failed. They died. You know, they just never took off whatever the case might be. You don't see any of those. You don't see all those and sometimes you need to see those. You need to embrace them. You need to recognize that you, yeah, failure is a very important part of life. And most of the time, you know, we have all these cool or cliche sayings about failure. But yeah, the bottom line is that if you're not like, and I, I'm like, you know, why, you know, I was very risk averse younger. I didn't want to take risks because you know uh, one of the reasons was well shit everything's on me now I got to keep a house over the kids' heads food on the table shit like that so I was more risk averse when I was younger now I'm like man that sounds that sounds sketchy let's do it yeah let's see how it goes let's yeah, do yeah. it like you know because a, a lot of times I think those are the types of things that really are what I can latch onto yeah the the stuff that's kind of not on the not on the fringes but just not the normal stuff like that that right. that makes me a little bit more of a go-getter um yeah totally get it i think i've probably you know gone after the risk part a little more than i should have. <laughs> <laughs> well we're, like, that's oh, good, that sounds appealing yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a good there's a healthy balance <sighs> yeah. in that you know i was too yeah. risk you know risk averse and it it, it, it really did yeah. i missed uh, you know we talk about tiny an opportunity and um 
I missed out on a lot of opportunities because I just wasn't willing to take those risks. I wasn't willing to kind of go out on a limb and, and just see what would happen. What's the and nowadays I'm like, what's the worst can happen? All right. So I fucking fail at this big deal. I, you know, like, and here's the other thing too. And I know this is probably this, this perks you is that the peanut gallery on social media that will just give you a bunch yeah. of shit. Oh, look. So he started something new and it didn't work out. Look, see, fucking he sucks. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't see you fucker in the arena. I don't see you putting dirt on your face and getting out there and going after it. So, right. you know, it's one thing to criticize. And I tell that to other people. Don't let other people just because they're not willing to take that risk. Don't don't not take the risk because of it. You know, I mean, unless it's, unless it's somebody that you trust and says, yeah, that's stupid. Don't that's try right. it. Yeah. Everybody else is just. Because people, I, I've noticed this a lot, especially on social media, people kind of almost want you to fail. Yeah, of course they do. You know, Everybody wants you to fail. Everybody's watching. Yeah. Waiting part for of, that happen. Part of it is, yeah, they kind of like, yeah, let's see what happens. And then they just come at you. They come at you like, you know, like, oh, it's like the, the first coming or something like that. They're like, oh, yeah. look, see, see, see. Um, all right. So let's talk. Last question here. What do you want as the big takeaway for our listeners from? today's conversation. What's the big takeaway? Yeah, I think uh, the big one is, you know, something I say all the time, and that is trying to keep things simple because the crisis or the obstacle or whatever will complicate the rest in your life, right? I mean, <laughs> so whether you're running from gunfire or oh, you're, trying to, beautiful. you're trying to make a decision on, yeah. you know, life, just keep it simple because crisis or whatever it is you're facing will complicate the rest. And God, that's beautiful. As long as you continue to do that, like, all right, what's the simple? What's simple? What's the simple answer to all these things? Then, you know, you're probably going to be okay. But the other piece too is just like, you know, you hear it all the time. It's paying attention, you know, take a moment to look around and see what's going on and uh, keep your wits about you. You know, Man, that's I mean, a big one there. Yeah. It's, I, you know, it's everyone says it and it's said all the time, but Man, it solves like, you know, 99% of the problems that people face. I feel like attention. I feel like we need to hit on that a lot more. Uh, and so in our, we do this, uh, this, this other video series called OSD where we, we watch uh, like closed circuit TV stuff or video, yeah. you know, cam, body cam stuff. And, you know, I try to pull out um, training value, training tips, things that we should work on. And one of the most common things that I, and I almost have to find other things rather than say that same thing, which over is and over again. be, be in situationally aware, being yeah. aware of your surroundings, what's happening around you. You know, what, what is, you know, what's going on? Think right. about, you know, don't just be so oblivious and aloof. I mean, there's times we can't always be on guard. I get it. Believe me, I know, but the vast majority of everything that I see could easily be resolved if somebody was actually aware of what was happening just a few seconds beforehand. Oh, just yeah. a few seconds before it makes the difference, man. No. So yeah. my, my big push for everybody is keep your head on that swivel. I know that sounds so cliche. I hate saying it too, but it's kind of the, you're right. 99% of everything can be avoided in most cases with a little bit of heads up. Yeah. Simple as that. Observation. God, I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that's a wrap. Clint, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find more information about the book, about you, all the projects that you've got going on. Everything's at clintemerson.com. Real easy. There you go. Clint that was br brilliant. Look yes. at that. Smart. Smart move. <laughs> it took me years to figure that out. Okay. <laughs> I had three websites and all this crap. But yeah, clintemerson.com. There you go. Done. I love it. God, that's brilliant. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I want to thank the audience for tuning in. I appreciate it. I want to thank the men and women and our sponsors. Um, I want to also thank the men and women that are holding the line 
Folks, you can check out all our previous podcasts by visiting thebulletproofworkshop.com. Learn more about me and train opportunities by visiting tridentconcepts.com. Until then, I'm Jeff Gonzalez, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Workshop podcast. Stay safe or be dangerous. 